Are you ready to talk? I'm ready. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. We are back with the Madness and Movies podcast. Mm-hmm. And specifically, we were back and forth right on the order of those. Yeah. And I figured madness and movies also sound similar enough to madness in movies, which is kind of what we're doing. And so I figured, make it ambiguous. And yeah. so when you say it out loud, it kind of rolls off the tongue and it all just feels right. Mm-hmm. Madness and movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andy. I'm Emily. Uh, and we talk about movies and madness. Yeah, madness, a, a.k.a., you know, mental illness. Or, a.k.a. the crazy people. Yeah, yeah, and how they're portrayed in movies, what that says about how we view madness in real life or how we could view madness in real life. Yeah, sort of exploring this madness through, you know, a, a pop culture touchstones, trying to make us all relatable and relevant and... What's more relatable and relevant than Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Mm. Am I right? Am I yeah. right? <laughs> Gosh, what was it? 1980... I'm going to say 1983. I don't know if I'm right. Mm-hmm. You can correct me in the comments if you really care that much. 1983. Uh, Matthew Broderick. Um, what was the goddamn director's name? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Why? Okay. <gasps> What's his face? You know him. He did things like 16 Candles in the Breakfast Club and... Oh, I didn't know it was that guy. Yeah, it's that guy. Okay. Did you know this was filmed in the same high school as the Breakfast Club? Whoa! Directly concurrently. They picked up they picked up the Ferris Bueller scenes, I think, right after they had the Breakfast Club. So wow. they, they knew they were filming these, these movies like right after in each other. So all the high school scenes, same. We school. totally have to do the Breakfast Club. Do you're we? Gonna, yeah, we're, you're going to add okay. the Breakfast Club. We're to adding the list. The list. Yeah. 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 John Hughes. His name is John Hughes. The director uh, is John Hughes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, plot synopsis. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> To summarize the plot of Ferris Bueller's day off, Ferris Bueller takes a day off from school. He fakes being sick. He convinces his parents that he's horribly sick. He gets his friends out of school and they go and have a day on the town. They they go out to Chicago and they see the sights and visit the museums and kidnap a parade float. And it's all very quirky and charming. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, his principal, Ed Rooney, um, uh, is trying to catch him in the act and really knows that he's he's faking it and is trying to trying to chase him down and catch him. Um, is there anything I'm any major broad strokes points that I'm missing here? I don't think so. Right. Um, he he takes his um, friend. Right, uh, yes, yes. Cameron with him. Let's lay out the cast, yes. Yeah, Cameron, and he takes his girlfriend, too. Um, Sloane. And his sister, Jeannie, um, mm-hmm. is kind of trying to undermine him all along. And mm-hmm. um, she's really angry that he gets to get away with this whole plan. And Well, and I think justify it. We'll get into that. Yeah, But, we like, will. Jeannie's right. Yeah, yeah. 
she's kind of my favorite character now. Like, really? Yeah, I think like I I used to always see it and root for Ferris, and I still do. But like, I also was rooting for Jeannie this time around. Yeah. And like, she's totally mad, and I'm super excited. Yeah. So, stay tuned. (laughs) Oh man, I'm so excited. I am so excited. Yeah, yeah. So. I think there's a lot of madness in this movie. Yeah. That, like, nobody, we don't ever, like, nobody ever thinks about it, right? It's just all-American high school comedy, and, like, man, you dig into it a little bit below the surface, and just, there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? Um, so I kind of think that there's three characters that can be read as mad mm-hmm. and all have, like, different types of madness. Mm-hmm. So I think Ferris and I think his best friend Cameron and I think Jeannie, I think they can all yeah. be read as mad. And that's, I kind that's, of my, thought, that's my trio as well. Okay, yeah, I was I was thinking we could start by, like, discussing how some of... Okay. How, how they're read as yeah, mad. Yeah, sort of walk through each, yeah, each, each character. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start with Ferris. Yeah. Just because the... It was so, like, it, this was, like, hit me like a bolt of lightning kind of thing. As I'm watching, going, like, I don't know if there's that much madness in this film. And going, like, yeah, I mean, it's a good film. I like it. You know, and, you know, and, of course, there's Cameron. But, like, you know, but really, how much is actually going on here? And there's, you know, but the scene where, like, Ferris is, like, on the parade float and singing, you know, you know, shake it on out. Shake, you know, he, and he's, he's singing the whole parade and everybody loves him. And Cameron's just standing on the sidelines going, you're crazy! You're crazy, Ferris! And it just, like, bolt of lightning. I'm just like, if you take away movie logic, if you take away this inherent just baseline assumption that, well, of course, Ferris Bueller is this charming, wonderful man that everyone loves. If you just take that away, he's a maniac that kidnapped a parade float. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like it's just like... He is like he he's, he's 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 his own like deluded like like you know you could absolutely like imagine him in the real world. He goes to a restaurant. He, he's impersonating the police to try to get a table at a restaurant. Uh huh. Like oh my gosh! Like <laughs> and also just the whole premise like going through that much trouble to get sick to you know to fake sick and evade responsibility like a lot of times that's the definition of madness is or like of mental illness is like someone who like shirks their responsibilities and um doesn't you know doesn't live in reality yeah (laughs) and he's like he's totally like creating this whole reality for him to him and his friends to be able to just like escape and so yeah he he definitely yeah I, i like how you phrased it take away movie logic and he would totally be considered Super crazy. He's a maniac. <laughs> yeah. I think the moment where it hit me is, like, where the principal starts talking to Grace, is his secretary, mm-hmm. and he's like, Ferris Bueller is a dangerous kid. He gives good kids bad ideas. And he talks about how <laughs> Ferris Bueller is making it incredibly difficult for him to run the school. So this takes place in the 80s, so there wasn't really a language of mental illness around this, but I have zero doubt that today he would be talking about Ferris Bueller as, like, this kid with Mm -hmm. maybe ADHD, maybe, like, conduct disorder. um, Oppositional defiance. Yeah, oppositional defiance. Like, something like that. It would be, like, this kid needs help. This kid needs to be medicated because, you know, he's, like, not conforming. He's not... 
doing well in school and, you know, just getting good grades and getting by. Can I bring up... I know we're the movie. We saw Black Klansman recently, um, Spike Lee's newest movie, uh, and it was the same language. It is set in the seventies, and the police in this movie are using the same kind of language to describe the Black Panthers, right? Like the Black Panthers are coming to our town, and we, they're they're a they're a bad influence. They're you know we can't have them riling up and like you know giving bad ideas to the good black people of our community. It's the same. It's the same language. It's the same idea. It's, it's. He is a menace. He is a menace because it will spread. Ferris Bueller is a virus upon. He is a plague upon this school. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I mean, class. I wanted to talk about class in yes. this film because I think it it plays a big role without the film necessarily being super aware of the role it's playing. But um, you think it's not aware? Maybe it's aware. I, I mean, yeah, it's obviously aware in the case of Cameron, but. Um, but yeah, but (laughs) yeah, I was just going to say like with Ferris, um, specifically, I think if he were in like, you know, a working class family or if he weren't white, like I think definitely Mm. it would be seen super different. Like we kind of are able or the mainstream public is able to watch the movie and, like, not see madness at all. But, like, (laughs) if Ferris were, like, a person of color, it would be very much like, oh, whoa, like, he's skipping school, he's a bad kid, he's dangerous, so, yeah. It's interesting how, like... He's gonna go smoke those jazz cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Totally creepy. (laughs) Um... Or even if not crazy, just, yeah, way more dangerous. Or yeah, way more, dangerous. like, oh, rebellious. And not in, like, a cool way, but just, like, whoa, dang. Like a scary way, yeah. Yeah, which I think is, you know, it, it ends up being coded as, like, madness. Like, I, I was thinking about how, like, madness and dangerousness are almost, like, synonymous hmm. in our culture in some ways. Hmm. Um, But... Yeah, when I, when you said class, I definitely thought you were talking about the the economics professor. And this led to anyone. Oh. Anyone. Oh. <laughs> I when you said class played a very interesting role, I'm like, yes, it did. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, I think in terms of, like, the classroom or, like, the school yeah. system, I think that played a huge role, too, in terms of, like, I think the film does this amazing job of showing this contrast between... Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller and what he's doing versus the classroom and yeah how like just intensely boring and like mind-numbing it is and you see these kids faces who are just like bored and miserable and and, like the one kid literally drooling on his desk and someone like scrapes a chalkboard and he like wakes up what 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like yeah I, I think that that's all part of like Ferris Bueller's madness or whatever is that like he doesn't fit in with that he doesn't just go with that and try and like survive in that he rebels against that system um and has this elaborate plot to like get out of it yeah it's amazing to me that we can like have a movie like this like we can have this and we can have again you know your breakfast club and what Mm -hmm. have you and go like yeah man school sucks and then like watch these these movies and like create these movies and then just go you know and like get come out of the movie and be like yeah school sucks more power you know Ferris Bueller go Ferris and then turn around the next day and be like 
all right, kids, well, time to go, you know, <laughs> time to go to school. Like, it, and it almost, it almost feels like even at the end of this, like it does, I have I can't figure out how, I can't put my finger on the mechanism, but it does feel like in some way it's still like, well, but you do have to go to school. Like, it's like, it's like, ah, you know, Ferris Bueller, he's so cool, and isn't that great? You know, you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, like, ah, but you know, you can't do that in real life. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Some, that feels like the message, and I don't know why. Can you? Yeah. Do you I, disagree, or do you? No, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that's the message, or I think that's at least like the message that the mainstream public like gets from it. Yeah. Because um, because at the end of the day, like we still do reward people based on like performance and educational settings and conformity and rule following and all this stuff and you know I, I think like part of that hinges on this idea of like Ferris Bueller is just the fantasy and yeah that's that's what it is yeah like that's yeah. a nice idea like that's fun to like <laughs> fantasize about but come on yeah he does it so that you don't have to right right Ferris does it so you don't have to yeah and like if you were to do that in real life then you would be mad. Like, then you would... Really Again, you'd be, be the trouble. maniac that kidnapped yeah. a parade float. Like, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's Ferris. Do we want to move on to Cameron? Yeah. Okay, Cameron. Um, so, yeah. So Cameron, I think he's a great example of, like, madness in response to capitalism and in response to consumerism. Yeah. Um, his whole thing is like Ferris has this long monologue about him in the bathroom um, mm-hmm. and he's like talking about how Cameron's whole life um, has just been like horrible because he's grown up in this family environment where his family prioritizes material possessions mm-hmm. over their relationships with one yeah. another Yes. Um, and yeah, so that's, like, all kind of symbolized by this this car, this Ferrari that yeah. Cameron's dad owns. And he, like, Cameron's dad, like, never allows anyone to touch the Ferrari. And what does he say? That he, like, loves the Ferrari more than... More than life itself. Yeah, more and more, more than, than like, life itself. Yes. And, and like, definitely implied in that more than me. Yes, more than, like, anyone in the family. And so... Um, yeah, and Cameron, like, isn't allowed to touch it. No one's allowed to touch it. I think his father doesn't even drive it. He Nope. He just, like, keeps it in this, like... <laughs> he just wipes it with a diaper. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, yeah, part of the big plot is that they, like, take Cameron's dad's car out mm-hmm. um, and drive it around. Um, and, yeah, and, like, Cameron has this, like, major breakdown. Um yeah in the film and then like part of like how he like resolves that breakdown is he like or like comes through it is he like starts like kicking the Ferrari yeah um, and eventually like kicks out the window <laughs> destroys the car yeah and is just like has this whole monologue of like I'm gonna take a stand against my father like God. like screw this car um like screw him like screw him loving this car more than me yeah and it's just awesome <laughs> yeah no it is it is awesome but like i don't know like again i I, try, I was trying to think through like cameron in real life like what would happen in the real world right like cameron's mm-hmm. arc 
I don't, I, I, and this is just me maybe, but like, I don't think in real life that Cameron actually would come around. Mm. I think Cameron starts out the movie going, Ferris, Ferris, you can't, you know, stop, put the car back, stop, you know, and like just spends the whole movie freaking out. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie has this realization that like, no, I was the one that was wrong. Mm. I need to be a bigger person and I need to, you know, and it takes responsibility for himself. And I, I don't know, like, I feel like in real life, Karen would just like, would just get more and more like freaked out be like, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, like, I, I, I guess I, that was the only, that's my only complaint with Cameron is, Yeah. Yeah, I think, or if he did do that, like, at least now, he would be diagnosed for sure. Oh, like, God. I, I think, like, the movie oh ends happy, and it's implied that, like, he's going to stand up to his dad, <laughs> yeah. and it's all going to be okay, and, like, that's Yeah, and we don't show the ass-kicking that yeah. he gets. <laughs> yeah, like, he would get his ass kicked, or he would, yeah, I, I think he Or would he'd be like, grounded, or he wouldn't, you know, or, or they'd take it out on a thousand small ways. And... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna... I think he'd be diagnosed. Yeah. Like, for sure. Um, I don't know. Like, or, like, We just, don't know what happened, Doctor. <laughs> he just... He just snapped. I he's, <laughs> yeah, he's just crazy. Like, I think he's doing drugs. <laughs> well, because that's what madness is, I feel like, so much of the time. I think that's really what it is in, like, ruling class families or, like, upper mm-hmm. middle class families is, like one person doesn't want to embody the values of the upper middle class and the family freaks out and they're like this person is mad and I am speaking from personal experience Mm -hmm. here just so everybody knows um but I'm I'm really thinking of also Leonard Roy Frank um a famous uh, psychiatric survivor. Um, you say famous, I think famous is relative. <laughs> <laughs> within the psychiatric survivors movement. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I think he was like maybe famous in social activist circles. Okay, okay, social act. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I still, I, I don't know how, who this is. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, okay, but um, <laughs> anyways, he was incredible. He was an amazing activist, um, spoke out against um, electroconvulsive therapy, um, against forced treatment, just um, a really amazing person. Anyways, his story Mm -hmm. um, was that he he grew up in an upper-middle-class family. He went to the University of Pennsylvania, my alma mater. Um, And then he decided to move out to San Francisco and just, like, kind of be a hippie for a while, Mm -hmm. just kind of participate in, like the civil rights movement and like social justice causes, um, not work. And his parents freaked out, completely freaked out and, um, came down to San Francisco and had him committed. And then I believe the story goes, he received ECT and, um, all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's like a pretty common story or like narrative of yeah. madness is like, rebelling against the ruling class and we watched Titanic a few yep. weeks ago I, I saw that in Titanic and have always like really related to that um but mm-hmm. yeah I, I think this like resistance to ruling class or upper upper middle class values um is like a really can be a really big part of like what constitutes madness or what ends up being diagnosed as madness because of course yeah the people who are diagnosing madness and deciding what constitutes madness are like ruling class yeah members. but then you go the other direction and like Cameron's like 
nervousness and whatever mm-hmm. is perceived by his mm-hmm. friends and his peers as like, oh, Cameron just needs to get out of his own head. But like, no, like repeatedly through the movie, Cameron is the only one yeah. who foresees any of the problems. He is his nervousness. He is right. He is absolutely right. Like when they're in the garage and they hand off the, the Ferrari to the very nice parking attendant. Right. And, and Cameron's like, we can't leave this car here. This is an expensive car in a cheap lot. Something is going to happen to it. And Ferris Bueller's like, relax. And the parking attendant is like, relax. I'm a professional. And Cameron goes, yeah, a professional what? And the parking attendant just smiles and takes the car away and drives 85 miles an hour (laughs) down the highway and beats the crap out of it. Mm. (laughs) And Cameron was right. Cameron's standing there going, professional what? And everyone's like, oh, Cameron, you worry too much. Yeah, I I mean, I personally, yeah, thought that that was really highlighted when, like, you see eventually that Cameron is, like, actually playing an important role in Ferris's rebellion. Like, so at one point, um, they're, like, in traffic, driving down the road, and, like, Mm -hmm. their car is right next to um and right next to Ferris's dad's car mm. so um they're like yeah right side by side and like almost about to be seen and Cameron is the one who sees like mm-hmm. Cameron's in, yeah yeah he's like your dad is right there like yeah <laughs> getting Ferris's attention he's preserving the, the 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 mission yeah again his his awareness his nervousness is is, is helpful it's beneficial it, it's 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 he saves the mission. Right. He saves the day. Repeat like ah. Yeah, he's like part Gets of the zero resistance. credit. Yeah, yeah, he's just seen as like dragging them down. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um. Also, like I don't know, like and fair. Uh, sorry, Cameron is always. He keeps having these reactions, like like Ferris ditches them at one point, right? And Cameron's walking around, going, "Like ah, you know, he he'd leave me. He he probably left. He went back to the school just to screw me, just to mess with me." And it's like, "Oh, come on, Cameron. Ferris wouldn't do that." And it's like, Jesus, you don't get that instinct, that reaction out you, from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't. <laughs> you don't that you don't immediately jump to that conclusion in a vacuum. Like yeah. Like, I don't know. They never go into the, the history of that or like, oh, but, you know, you did last year. You didn't see it. You weren't there. But last year you did blah, blah, blah. But yeah, Ferris is constantly just like putting Cameron in these situations he doesn't want to be in. Yeah. And then Cameron's getting the short end of the stick and then treated as like, oh, Cameron, don't be so judgy. Ferris is a good guy. And like, excuse you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not good to Cameron. Yeah, not at first. I think after Cameron's breakdown, mm-hmm. he starts being better, mm-hmm. like, more sensitive and kind toward Cameron, and, like... Like, he, he finally takes him seriously a little bit? Yeah, he finally, like, takes him seriously, or finally, like, yeah, realizes, like, no, like, Cameron is going through shit, and we need to, like, do something, and... yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was one of my, like, central questions going through the movie was, like, does Ferris actually care about Cameron? Or is he, like, using Cameron or, like, like how do you say? Like, caring about him without listening to him or actually, mm-hmm. like, giving a shit about him as a person. So much, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to phrase it, but 
Yeah. Yeah. That Ferris constantly goes like, oh, of course, Cameron, of course I care about you. And tries to, and like cares about him in his own Ferris Bueller-y way. Mm-hmm. But like doesn't actually like care enough to like ask what Cameron wants or figure out what Cameron wants. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, yeah, for the first half of the movie, Ferris was just a complete dickhead. Yeah. To Cameron, yeah. Yeah, and Cameron knows it. Cameron yeah. knows that nobody believes him. Oh, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. The I, I was just thinking, like, Cameron, right, he's sick at the beginning. And then, and then and Ferris is like, oh, come on, Cameron. What's the, what's the line I wrote down? That's all in your head, Cameron. Come <laughs> over here and pick me up. And, I don't know, it's just so fascinating that, like, Ferris can play sick. But then when Cameron actually is sick, then that's not, that's not believable. Mm -hmm. My God. Um, But then he also does like, in his monologue, I think it's just confusing. In his monologue, he like does recognize that Cameron is like actually sick and like terrible things are happening at his home. And in the monologue in the bathroom, he like goes on about how like, yeah, Cameron has been brought up in this like emotionally neglectful home. And um, so, therefore, I have to save him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, but paternalistic. Just a smidge. Yeah. Yeah, but I also I feel like, I don't know, it's still, it's still better than, like, the medical system or, like, I don't know, a lot of, like, yeah, mainstream yeah. understandings that would hold that, like, Cameron is, you know, something's wrong with Cameron or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to do Genie? Yeah. Or were you about to? Yeah. So I was going to make the connection with not being believed. Ah, um, yes. Yeah. Cameron is like never believed. And I think Genie especially. Oh my God. The is, whole movie is like just gaslighting Genie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I think I was thinking a lot about, or like earlier I talked about Ferris, if he were like a person of color or like of like a working class he would be seen as like much more dangerous um and i think genie shows how ferris would be seen if he were a woman yeah um (laughs) so basically ferris gets away with all of this stuff he's the guy who like skips school and like catches these elaborate plans and like gets away with it and is still seen as charming and the golden child and his family system his family feels so bad for him but genie is the one who like is kind of she's like the family scapegoat basically Mm -hmm. if she um, does anything wrong, she's blamed. Even if she doesn't do anything wrong, she's blamed. Yeah, the um, police arrest her for no reason. And then it's how, you know, how do you think I feel about picking my daughter up at the police station? She's mm-hmm. like, it's like, how do you feel? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she goes to the police office to report an intruder. Yeah. Um, which the principal, like, yeah. intrudes on their home. And yeah, she's like, they say she's making up this story basically like for attention or um some reason who knows <laughs> she's just crazy yeah like she's very much seen as crazy throughout the movie um not believed when she calls nope. the police on the intruder um not believed about anything at any point ever yeah yeah um yeah 
she, I think the line she says at the very beginning of the movie is, if I were bleeding out of my eyes, you guys wouldn't let me stay home mm-hmm. to her parents. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's amazing to me just how... I think the movie does do a really good job, of, yeah, just showing like how different the world looks. Just infor- how do you say? like information is subjective, I guess, or, or the worldview, the what what the world looks like, is can be so very different just based on what information you have. Mm-hmm. Just everything changes, and at some point, you know, like everybody has a slightly different, you know. You know, you can make it political or you can pick pick any world event or whatever, but, like, the world looks like a very different place with slightly different information. And at some point, every one of us is, like, choosing a side Mm -hmm. and choosing which, you know, do you believe A, story A or story B? And nobody, nobody believes Genie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The whole world, the whole world suddenly has just flipped to the other side. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I think, like, embodies this, like, role of the villain, um, and she's seen as, like, <laughs> trying God, to... God, you're right. She's kind of... Yeah, she's, like, coded as the villain, too, like... In what uh... ways? Tell me more. Um, okay, well, this is something I wanted to bring up. Okay. She has curly hair, <laughs> and I think, I think in a lot of movies, this is my hypothesis... <laughs> But I'm not sure if I'm right. Okay. I think in a lot of movies, women with curly hair are, like, coded as crazy. Really? Um, so we're going to have to huh. see as we okay. go through this series. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, as, of course. As we go through this podcast series, we're going to have to see, like... Hold us to that, listeners. Yeah. Check it on that. Yeah. My my two, like, primary examples right now are just Carrie Bradshaw. I'm pretty sure she's borderline. And then Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction. Uh-huh. We'll see if this holds up. Maybe it's just an 80s thing and then like characters in the 80s are like matter I don't know there could be like some other confounding variable or something yeah but yeah I don't know I think the curly hair thing hmm um but she also like she's almost never seen smiling she's like very negative and very like angry she's an angry woman like that's really bad and she like um She's, like, always scowling. Um, he Charlie Sheen even, like, comments, you wear too much eye makeup. Like, she yeah. wears, like, dark makeup. So, mm. yeah, I, th- I think she, okay. like, very much is coded as the villain. She reminds me of Evelyn in, um, in The Incredibles, honestly, mm. a little bit. Mm. Um, Incredibles 2. Yeah, Incredibles 2. The villain in Incredibles 2 is also, I think, mad. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I think she's like very much like seen as the villain and she's like dragging Ferris down. But like it comes from this place of not being believed as a woman, like not having her pain taken seriously, not having this intruder in her home. Oh my taken god, seriously. I can't I can't believe that. Yeah, you call in a, a, a an intruder and just like uh oh, he wasn't. You know, he must. You know, he he wasn't there when we got there. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, not he got scared and ran off when he heard the cops. But therefore, ah, I, I see. Yeah. She was lying the whole time. Mm-hmm. We got her now. We figured it all out. Like that blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the film is just like supposed to be like making fun of her almost, and you're supposed to be kind of rooting against her. 
And I feel like that's the normal thing. Usually people, you know, you watch it and you're rooting against her. But I was, like, rooting so hard for her. I was like, come on. (laughs) You can take him down. Although, so at the end, she ends up helping Ferris out. Oh, my gosh. So, Um, yeah, we need to talk about that. Yeah. We need to, like, really sink our teeth into that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, basically, um, the principal is, like, about to Mm -hmm. catch Ferris. And she, like, covers for him. Um... Yeah, after spending the whole movie, the whole movie, Ferris is going out and doing these, having a wonderful day, and his sister, Jeannie, and Rooney, the principal, are both trying to catch him. Those are the two forces working against him. And at the end, Ferris is about to get caught by the principal, and Jeannie has to make a choice. Which side? Which side? Who does she pick? Does she she side with Ferris and protect her brother? Or she sided with Rooney, the principal, the the, the uh, scowly, nasty principal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, stick it to Ferris. And she picks her brother. She covers for Ferris. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that maybe an explanation could be that she like realizes that Ferris is not really the enemy here. That mm-hmm. like the enemy is the system and is the school represented by Rooney, the principal. Mm, 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 Um, And Ferris is just like, has chosen this way of surviving in it. Yeah. And like, okay, he survived and like, that's unfair. It's like unjust that she doesn't get to like survive in it the way he does. But like, it's not really him that's at fault here like whether or not he survives in the system is not really gonna like change anything for her change the system itself and so like she realizes that like um she yeah like she needs to like you know direct her anger at the system or she realizes too that like actually what ferris is doing is like rebelling against the system and like in getting away with it like maybe he's yeah he's like bringing it down in some way and like she wants to like help in this rebellion and this act of resistance Mm -hmm. um, rather than like bring that resistance down and therefore like reinforce the system Hmm. wow you thought way more about that than I did (laughs) yes I approve of your interpretation and I will adopt it as my own (laughs) (laughs) but like I feel like the other interpretation that I'm like not that I'm Uh like significantly less excited about Okay, so she meets, in the police station, she meets, like, a, a druggie. He's supposed to be a drug user, right? Well, yeah, I mean, literally, literally, yeah, Charlie like, Sheen. He's like, do you want some drugs? She, yeah. yeah, he drugs, do you want some drugs? And she's like, no, what are you in here for? And he goes, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Okay. Well, but he ends up being, like, pretty cool. But, yeah, so they end up, like, making out in the police station. and <laughs> Right? Um... Yeah, and, like, so I feel like the alternative explanation is that, like, she... And that's the first time she's she's shown to be, like, happy. So, like, the alternative explanation is that she finds him and she finds love or romance or whatever. Well, because he is the only person who believes her all day. The only person who actually, like, listens to her. So, like, I don't know. Maybe that is a good explanation. Okay. Maybe it's that, yeah, she, like finds romance, finds her love interest, and, like, feels heard, feels listened to. Um, And so, as a Mm. result, she, like, comes home and is, like, happier and willing to protect her brother. But no, but no, but no, because on the drive home, 
she like bumps into Ferris oh, yeah, and sees right. that Ferris and like is like racing to get home before Ferris Bueller does so that she can like prove prove like ah I got you you little snot that's true, that's true. Like, yeah like she she gets she she's like racing against the cops like the cops are chasing her and she won't stop not for a second because she has to get home before Ferris yeah that's true yeah, I feel like the film just could have done a better job showing why she, like, had this sudden change of heart. Yeah, because it is. It's, it's up until that last moment. Yeah, she's like, I got like, you, I got you, I got you. And then sees that it's Ed Rooney, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's as simple as just that he was the one that broke into the house. Mm-hmm. He was the one that she thought was trying to rape her. Yeah, yeah. And so she's just like, the enemy of my enemy, I guess, is my friend. Yeah, maybe. Sort of like, screw you, Rooney. Yeah. Could be, yeah. I hate Ferris, but I hate you more. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the Charlie Sheen character, though. Oh, yes, I yes. Really okay, let's him. dig in. Let's dig in. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> okay. The druggie in the, in the police station. Yeah. So, like, he actually listens to Jeannie. Right. He's the like, first person to actually believe her. I think that's, like, a fascinating, like, character's, like, character moment of just, like, I don't know, why did they pick this character this mm-hmm. archetype why is this the person that listens to genie mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's again this message that like the rebel is right the person that we're told is like bad and dangerous is actually correct so um yeah he's he's a drug user that's bad drugs are bad that's what we're supposed to think but then he's actually shown to be like pretty cool and the one who listens and the one who cares and again i think it's like partly this like critique of like consumerist or like ruling class values yeah that's good (laughs) (laughs) I approve. <laughs> Care to expand? <laughs> no, I like genuinely didn't understand it. I, I don't know. I've been I, I, I you know like that has been like puzzling me for years at this point. Hmm. And I, I'm I still I don't have a good answer for it. I really don't. And I don't. I like your explanation, but I don't think the movie is that self-aware, I guess, is my yeah. thing. Is I think it was more coming from a place of, like, let's make an interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeannie goes to the police station and meets someone that, you know, meets someone that actually listens to her is sort of the point, mm-hmm. right? Is that Jeannie's in the police station. and And someone talks to her and, like... And she, like, whatever, has a realization. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of inserted something into there, right? And it's like, well, what if? What if he's a drug guy? Nah. What if he's a biker? Nah. What if it's Charlie Sheen? Oh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that was... Like, I feel like you're, you're whatever, anti-capitalist. <laughs> um... <laughs> Interpretation. I, I like it. I, I really I like it, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's what the filmmakers were going for. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I feel like part of it was just supposed to be pure comedy. Like. Yeah, exactly. I, I think in, like, 
in our in film a lot of times drugs are just supposed to be like so funny like either they're really bad and dangerous or like it's the funniest thing like do you want some drugs like <gasps> it's like yeah it's, it's like funny and shocking and like she says her response is like no i'm straight and like so it's supposed <sighs> to be like a funny interaction and it is but yeah, yeah. But I think it can be read as sort of, like, an anti-capitalist critique. Yeah. Because I, I think drugs, like, in general are anti-capitalist, or at least, like, illegal drugs, right? They're, yeah. like, the whole reason they're illegal is that they make you unproductive and bad at your job and bad for the economy, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- yeah, I think that's clarified. Yeah, just... Yes, that's clarified it for me that mm-hmm. that wasn't the intention, but that's that's sort of where we've ended up. That's a possible interpretation. Yeah. What what else? What else uh, are in your notes? Hmm. hmm, hmm, hmm. I th- okay. Uh, at the end, when Cameron is sort of having his his like realization of like, no, you know what? I gotta take a stand. I gotta do something. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, um, Cameron, like, blames himself for letting Ferris take the car at the beginning. He's, you know, Ferris is like, no, I'll take the fall. I, I was the one that took the car. And Cameron's like, but I could have stopped you. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting, I don't know, like, that line stuck out to me. Yeah. Sort of, like, I don't know, in a lot of ways, like, Cameron is the victim mm-hmm. of this whole movie. The whole movie is at Cameron's expense. And then he gets to the end and goes, but I could have stopped you, so I guess I'm responsible for the whole thing. Like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know. Can you imagine, like, I don't know, any other situation, right? Like, I don't know, a kidnapping victim or something, right? I don't know, like, at the end of a movie going, like, well, no, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I, You know, at the beginning, when you knocked on the door... And I, 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 I should have like you know not let you in. I should, I, I should have seen it, right? I, I mean, I, I know you. I, I saw you. I saw your eyes. I knew you were kind of dangerous, but I let you into the house anyways. And so, you know what? You're right. This gunshot wound is my fault. I'm sorry. No, I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. It's. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. I think that that was like problematic. But I also think that the larger point wasn't so much that like oh like. I'm, you know, I deserve this or I should, that Cameron should, like, get in trouble, but rather that, like, this is the first time Cameron's taking agency. Yeah. And, um, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big, like, fan personally of, like, agency and free will and, like, take responsibility, but I think for, like, the movie, like, where Cameron is seen as so disempowered and, like, this, yeah, he, he is kind of, like, this victim of everything and I think his way of, like, responding to that and, like, getting through his, like, breakdown is, like, no, like, I'm gonna, like, take charge of this. And, like, rather than, like, getting in trouble or saying that he should be punished, he's saying, like, he's going to own this decision to rebel against these ruling class values and, like, stand up to his father. And so I think it's more about that, that, like, he's making a choice to rebel and say, like, no, this is an act of resistance that I'm, like, proud to be part of, rather than, like, just saying again, like, Ferris did this to me, and, like, and then 
you know, if if he were to say, like, Ferris did this and it's bad, punish Ferris, like, he would still not be standing up to his father and, like, letting the ruling class values, like, consumerism win. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. It just, I don't know, it still felt weird for me, Mm -hmm. for him to... You know, yeah, he has been... Again, the whole movie is kind of at his expense. He's sort of dragged into all this crap against his will. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie kind of decides, like... Like, like he, he sort of has this change of heart, like, going forward, right? Like, no, it's time for me to... It's time for me to start doing these things, but then to retroactively claim mm-hmm. all of the baggage that comes along with everything they did and go, as my first action, I will take responsibility for all this stuff that I didn't want to happen. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It bugged me, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that I have in my notes is, um, like, Sloane, how she responds to Cameron's breakdown. Um, she says she's like, oh, I, I could flip out just as easily um, and she says, like, it's not a big deal. It's okay. Um, and I just thought that was, that was cool. That was, like, um, I felt like that was the film taking, like, a very, like, non-pathologizing, non-medical stance on <laughs> madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The just, this could happen to anyone, and we totally get it, dude. hmm Yeah, and I, I, I think that's... That is a good point. That like the the movie is sympathetic to Cameron, and they're not like, yeah, they're very aware of the the whatever the systemic and environmental factors leading up to is leading. You know, they've created the man standing before you today. Mm-hmm. You know, they even say like Ferris says something about like yeah, in that household. I you know this is this is a guy who feels better when he's sick than when he's well or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's, I can totally believe it in that household. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's you know it's another film where madness is like very humanized. It's it's seen as positive in the case of Ferris. I think um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's seen as like a positive form of resistance, um, and I think in the case of. Cameron too like it's it's seen as positive it's seen as like you know being positively like maladjusted to his father's consumerism um is it I think I I mean he keeps saying like ah Cameron's all scrambled up we can't Cameron's so Mm -hmm. wound up so tight we can't send Cameron off to college like this that's true he the first girl he meets he's gonna the first girl he lays he's gonna marry and no one will ever you know and no one will ever respect him and he'll have a terrible life we -hmm. can't let him keep going like this but then but then when he kicks the car and then he kicks it out the window that's seen as pretty positive that's like a celebrated act yeah I think that I don't know that version of Cameron, the, like, active madness mm-hmm. versus, like, passive madness. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. That, like, once he once he does something, then it's like, yeah, take action, hoorah! Yeah, that's really interesting, like, active madness versus passive madness. Yeah, you don't get to just be depressed. You gotta, you gotta be angry. Yeah, especially for men, I think. Mm-hmm. That's, like, such a thing as, like, if you're 
if it's like an active form of madness and yeah and it's and like agency and taking mm-hmm, control mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. taking responsibility then that can be seen as like positive in certain lights but like if it's a passive form of madness then like that's not good like that's not manly mm, right mm-hmm, which is like gets, gets into all the rhetoric of like his his girlfriend won't respect him or whatever that Ferris says yeah. about Cameron yeah, versus, like, Jeannie, where she has, like, a pretty active form of madness or whatever, where she's, like, trying mm. to undermine Ferris, like, oh, that scene is bad. skipping school and, like, skipping yeah. school. And wasn't she, like, smoking at one point and yeah. driving fast? Oh, <laughs> Right, like, and that scene is, like, really negative and, like, villainous. And so, yeah, I, I think that, like... Yeah, why can't you just stew quietly in the corner? <laughs> Right, women are supposed to be, like, quietly, like, passively mad. So, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah, and again, even... Uh, and Cameron is... Yeah, the beginning, even, he's he's sick, right? He's, he's sick, and he just wants to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And, like, no, no, you have to be active, Cameron. You have to get out in the world. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I have mixed feelings, I think, because on one hand, like, yeah, I believe that if someone wants to be sick and passively mad, like, that's absolutely, like, in their prerogative, Mm -hmm. and, like, I don't know, I see that as, like, also being a form of rebellion, but Mm -hmm. I also, like, I did feel very, like, celebratory and triumphant in the moment that Cameron decided to like kick the car I was like go Cameron yeah and so I don't know I'm I can like see both both angles of um yeah how the movie is like problematic in some ways and like kind of pathologizing Cameron's madness and pathologizing him for just wanting to stay home but then I can also be like yeah go Ferris, like, get him out of the house and get him to rebel, and, like, that's what friends are for, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it is, it's it's back and forth, that, like, Ferris does not believe Cameron or does not buy mm-hmm. any of this shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, I was thinking, like, Cameron might actually actually literally be sick like i have had days i i when i'm sick Mm -hmm. i can still like pull myself together and go out and go out into the world and go have a you know whatever whatever have a busy day with friends or with you know work or whatever and i just pay for it later like i just i'm way more you Mm -hmm. know i'm then i'm way more sick that night that the next day whatever because i've exerted myself because i've I should have been home resting, but I wasn't. I was out doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It's entirely believable to me that Cameron is actually yeah. sick. And Ferris, like, courses him into going outside anyways. And it's just like, I don't Yeah. Yeah. And then. And the Cameron will just be paying for that tomorrow. And the, yeah. And I mean, Cameron is, like, grateful for it. But yeah, is, is that the film being like, oh, look. You can just coerce your sick friends outside and <laughs> right. they'll be grateful for it later. Yeah. Cameron, come give me a ride. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, that's how it starts. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I mean, I, I like, though, that 
I think, like, Cameron's, I mean, Ferris's, like, coercion or whatever, peer pressure, like, it's not, like, pressure to conform in any way. It's very much, like, pressure to resist and rebel with him. And I think that that, I don't know, I tend to see that personally just, like, way more positively than I would see it if, if it were, like, Cameron's parents being, like, you're faking it, you need to go to school. Or if it were Ferris being, like, come on, it's all in your head. Like, you can do this. You can go to school. You need to take tests and live a fruitful life, he says at the beginning. Like, live a fruitful life. <laughs> ironically, he's, like, I want to go to school so that I can live a fruitful life. Like, I if can you, get it so I can get a degree. Yeah. I can go to a good college and get a degree and live a fruitful life. So, like, if you were, like, saying that in a serious way to Cameron and being, like come on, like, you're not really sick, you need to go get a degree and live a fruitful life, then, like, obviously that would be very negative and, like, oppressive, but I think the fact that he's saying to Cameron, like, no, like, you can, like, you know, come on, like, leave your house, come hang out and rebel with me, like, I think that that makes it a very, just, like, a radically different Mm -hmm. thing. It's not as much of, like, a imposing this, like, dominant power structure on him yeah it's 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 opening up his possibilities yeah yeah i think my biggest takeaway from this film and i'm curious what yours is Mm -hmm. but my big takeaway is that our perceptions of people are wrong just 100 percent wrong every time across the board you don't know what your principal's really up to when he's not around you might be off hitting dogs over the head with potted plants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you don't know, you know, Jeannie, ah, what was, what was the line? Someone, someone describes Jeannie as, ooh, I gotta find the line. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. There's something about a, a wench or a, oh, a heartless wench. Yes. Yeah. Jeannie's described as a heartless wench because she's the only one in the school who doesn't care about Ferris Bueller and he's going to have to get a kidney replaced, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so everybody perceives Jeannie as just being awful. But, like, she's not. She's right. Like, Jeannie knows something that nobody else knows, but they don't know that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh... Just in, yeah, just in general, everything that you think you know about anyone else in the world, you are making that up in your head. You are constructing a version of them that fits whatever facts you know. And it's, I don't know, that's just an interesting thing to try to hold in your head every time you interact with anyone, your parents, your loved ones, your, you know, the guy you meet on the street, right? Somebody you bump into at a, at a fast food joint. You don't know what's in that person's head. You only know what you think you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I think my biggest takeaway is just... Um, I think the film does a really good job of capturing different forms of madness and how they're constructed and perceived in society. So, like, you have... Like, all all three types of madness are very much, I think, seen as, like, madness, right? Like, our, our 
um, like stigmatized and pathologized in different ways or discriminated against. So like you have like, but that, but then like to varying degrees and extents. So like you have Ferris Bueller, who's this like white, straight, like pretty like. Can't do anything wrong. Perfect. Yeah. Like masculine. um, You got muscles. Did you see him in the shower? (laughs) That boy works out. (laughs) Yeah. Like embodies this like ideal of like the white, masculine, like upper middle class man who's just like, he's mad in like a fun way and like a charismatic way. And I could totally see him in an Ivy League school. Oh, yeah. In, like, a polo with, like, one of those sweaters, like, tied around his waist and wearing his perfect khakis. And, <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong. He's still called mad by... Or not called mad. He's still called dangerous by his principal. And he still has to, like, work to be able to, like, be mad but also, like, survive and be the golden child in his family. But... But he does it. Yeah. He, like, does it and he's able to. And he, like, doesn't face any real consequences other than just the, like, being called dangerous. Um, And then, but then there's, like, Cameron, who, like, because he's more, like, passively mad and more, like, depressed and it affects him more physically and he's nervous and anxious. Um, He's not as, like, masculine, I guess. He doesn't... um, Ferris talks about, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. he's never been with a woman. Like, yeah. he he doesn't... Oh, Ferris and Sloane totally banging. Right, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ferris has, like, the hot girlfriends, all of that. Like, Cameron's not as, like, cool. He's not as popular. And so his madness, he doesn't get away with it so easily mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't embody this masculine ideal, this, like... And, and along with that, he doesn't embody this, like, active madness as much. He, his madness is much less acceptable. And But he's still, like... I think because he still is, like, a man or he's still, like... He's, he's friends with Ferris. He does, like, come around at the end to, like, more active forms of madness. Like, he still ends up surviving. He's still seen as one of the good guys in the movie. Yeah. And then there's Jeannie. And I yep. really think because she's a woman... And because she's an angry woman and a scowling woman. The and, worst kind. And a, and a heartless one. Oh, heartless. <laughs> she's heartless. seen. She's the villain. Like, the mad woman is, like, just, like, you don't even, like, approach the border of acceptability, at least in this film, in this context. Like, she is, like, the bad bitch, like, of this movie. And so, um... Yeah, I, I think it does a really accurate job of, like, describing how madness is perceived in different people and different contexts. Um, and, yeah, I, so I, I really like that about the film. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, folks. Mm-hmm. That's our take on it, at least. Although, by this point, you've probably... If you've never seen the movie and you've only listened to this podcast... You probably know about 80% of it already. That's... I, I think we covered most of the important points. Yeah. And um, get back to us in the comments. Yes, absolutely. Like, comment, 
subscribe, share. Share, share is important. <laughs> you can't, well, I mean, you could like our Facebook page if you want. Um, what would really help is uh, ratings on iTunes. Mm -hmm. If you could rate us on the iTunes store, that would be phenomenal. And just like, let us know, you know, what movies you want us to do. Yes. What movies you think Madness yes. is in. Um, if there's, I especially, I really like the high school theme. I think there's a lot with like school and madness and rebellion. Yes. So yes. if you have any good like high school type movies yes. let us know or any movies with like women with curly hair who are mad okay <laughs> oh I think my gosh. that's a thing oh my gosh let me know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but also feel free to push back on any of our theories like engage mm -hmm. this is this is think of this as the opening salvo in a, in a discussion that we want to have with you mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. The website has a comment description. Uh, we'll share it on Facebook. That has a comment section. I mean, that's Facebook. It has comments. It has literal comments. Or... Is there an email address that we should give? Uh... No? Okay, <laughs> don't email. Don't email. Facebook. Facebook is fine. Facebook, yeah. Facebook is fine. Message the page or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... That. <laughs> that is. Is there it. any other housekeeping? I don't think so. Um. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Mad love. Peace.